0: Hey, Welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. I want to dive in today's message and I titled it Just Be Patient. Just be patient. Turn to your neighbor and say, Just be patient. You know, everybody's always like a little low when it comes to just be patient. Because you know what can be one of the most off-putting things to people? Is when you tell them to be patient, right? Nothing fuels me up when my wife is like, Blake, you need to be patient. I'm like, girl, we need to talk. When you're driving in that, that highway on 75 and You're in the left lane and and you're cooking and you're making some good, you know, traction. You wanna get out of that car. And then you come up behind that one person. And for whatever reason, in the left lane, they're driving the speed limit. Everybody knows it's like 10 over in the left lane. Of course, I don't do that most of the time. But then it's like, get over, get over. Or when you're checking out at the grocery store, And all you have is like two items, and that person has 153 in front of you, and they're just having that conversation, like this is the first time they got out of the house, and they're going back and forth, and you're like, Lord, I need patience right now. Frustrating. Patience can be frustrating to grow in our life. We're continuing our series, Keeping It Fresh, talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our life. In fact, Galatians 5.22 says this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, who produces the fruit in our life? The Holy Spirit. You and I cannot grow the fruit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit the fruit. In fact, when Paul is writing this in Galatians chapter five, he's talking about something that we kind of grow or or gravitate to, and that's our sinful nature. And he lists about fifteen different sins. But he says this, you need to let the Holy Spirit produce in your life. Not you and I are being the ones that produce the fruit. We need to understand that. This is the nine fruits that the Holy Spirit grows in our life. He then goes on love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Galatians 5.23 continues, gentleness. We talked about this last week. I know everybody ate a banana and was like, I'm gentle today. And then self-control. There is no law against these things. So I can't say it enough. The Holy Spirit grows the fruit as we draw close to God. Can you imagine trying to concentrate on nine different things? Yeah, it can be very confusing and overwhelming. Our responsibility is what James says to us in chapter 4 is we need to draw close to God and God will draw close to us. The Holy Spirit grows the fruit as we draw close to God. Now, as you can assume, we have a fruit this week. This is a pomegranate. Okay, now a pomegranate is interesting at the store because it doesn't hardly have any shelf space. No one really goes into the store and's like, I need to pick up a pomegranate. It's like, and if you know someone that's like, I really love me some pomegranates. Like, we need to talk a little bit. They're a pretty unique fruit. I don't know, like my family, my boys love juice, and whenever we try to drink juice. There's almost every juice we can handle, even prune juice. But you know what juice we can't handle? is pomegranate juice. Now, here's some fun facts when it comes to a pomegranate. There are over 600 little seeds that we eat in this fruit. You just pluck it out. You put it in your mouth. It takes forever to eat. The exterior is hard, right? It's, it's like okay, why do I really essentially need this fruit? But when it comes to this fruit, it's one of the healthiest fruits in our lives. can be full of antioxidants, can help us on our health journey, wherever we're at. It's a very beneficial fruit, even though it's really tough to palate. You know, a lot of times in our lives, There's certain moments that God puts us through or that we go through or there's environments, there's soils, there's people, there's workplaces where God is growing the fruit in our life. Sometimes it can be really hard to be in those certain scenarios. But that's why our responsibility is to choose faithfulness, to concentrate on God, draw close to him, come close to God, and he will come close to us. So as we continue throughout our day and throughout this week, wherever you're at, when it comes to a pomegranate, maybe you're that person that buys one, I want you to think about patience. Because it takes some patience to eat this fruit. And we're going to look at this man's story. His name is Abram at this moment in his life. And Abram is a fascinating individual who displays great patience in his life. Before we dive in, let's look at the uh, uh, definition of biblical patience. It means endurance. It means perseverance. It means the ability to wait without becoming angry, annoyed, or upset. So let's pause there. Patience isn't just waiting. Patience is doing it without becoming angry, right? Like we have to understand that. It's without being annoyed. It's without being frustrated. Patience is waiting, but with a healthy mindset and a good attitude. It's the ability to tolerate being hurt or provoked without losing one's temper. We need some patience, right? Patience is maintaining hope and not giving in to despair. So Abram's this individual who had moments in his life where despair seemed like it was a leading force in his life, and yet he doesn't give in. He continues to be a person used by God to go beyond what he could even think about, what he could even imagine, and a lot of those moments in his life were consumed with utter patience. And this is what we can learn from him today. So Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old... The Lord appeared to him and said, "I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life." Blameless life alongside God is what is being spoken. Verse 2, "I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, and that sequence is important, we'll look at in a moment. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. So who's making Abraham fruitful? God. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Verse 8, and I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you are now, where you live now as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. So in Abraham's story, we see three essentials that stick out when it comes to understanding what patience is. The first one is this patience is allowing God to handle the timing. Patience is allowing God to handle the timing. Now, you might be new to church, checking out faith, and maybe you have some questions on who's this man, Abraham? Abraham is 99 years old when he receives news that he's about to have a child, another child by the name of Isaac. Can you imagine that timing? That's pretty alarming right there. If you're, you know, can you imagine being 99 years old and saying, man, I'm going to have a child. Like, I can't wait. Like some of us, that thought right now, and you might be in your prime thinking of raising another child, might be completely alarming to you. The point is, is when Abraham comes to this moment in his life, he's understood part of the reason that God selected him, chose him, is because he was always willing to trust in the power of God. Genesis 17:1 says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty, God of Most High, God of everything, the Great I Am. We see this the first time it's used right here in all of Scripture. First time used because he is expressing to himself, he is expressing to Abraham, everyone around, that the God that Abraham served is the almighty, the great, powerful God, and that you can rest assured. See, as followers of Jesus, where it can mess us up and get mixed up is, one, we can really want the power for ourselves. We see this play out, I want my control. When really what we need to be leaning into is saying, hey God, I'm gonna give you over the control. I'm gonna trust in your power, not my power. Your ability, not my natural abilities. Your ways, not my ways. And he goes on in Genesis 17 too, he says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Talk about a power and a plan being presented to Abraham. We have to be willing to trust in God's power. Psalms 147.4 says this, He counts the stars and calls them by name. Power right there. How great is our God? How great is our Lord? His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. I I, I mean, Pastor Steph got up in here and he was leading and, and talking and he read from Revelation. Imagine that. The Lord we serve, the greatest, we can't even comprehend it. And sometimes we live our lives where it's like, I have to have the power and control. Like, like, how small are we? How little are we? How powerful is he? We can't even comprehend it. He names the stars when we sit out here and say, man, that star out there, millions of miles away is beautiful. That's power, church. Abraham allowed God gave God the power and said, you you run it. You do it. See, patience is saying, God, you're the powerful one. I'm along for the ride. But then Abraham, El Shaddai said, but then this is what Abraham is required to do, to simply serve faithfully. He serves faithfully. God doesn't come into Abraham's life and say, do X, Y, Z, do all these different extravagant things. He says, hey, you serve faithfully. You live in obedience. You do what I called you to do, and I'll worry about the fruit that's going to grow in your life. Serve faithfully. Church, Where to serve faithfully. That's why when we're coming up and we're talking August 1st through August 7th, we're talking about a church-wide fast where we're going to take a meal, out of the day, and we're going to pray, we're going to seek, we're going to meditate on God's word, we're going to read God's word, and we're going to say, God, I'm going to serve you faithfully. Help me in this spiritual discipline in my life. Maybe you've never fasted before. We have numerous resources on our website at faithnfm.com. I would encourage you take this week, look up what it means to biblically fast, and come expecting God to speak to you, to talk to you, to reveal himself to you in a way like never before. See, church, we practice the spiritual discipline because it's putting us in a position, in a place to say, I'm going to serve you faithfully. I'm going to neglect others, uh, other uh, 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 passions and, and enticements, and I'm going to say, you know what, God? I need you to come and be my sustenance and my source because I want to serve you faithfully. I want to know you in a way I've never known you before. We see... In Hebrews chapter six, ten, this is God's declaration. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him or how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. It's this idea and understanding. We serve faithfully. We commit to him. We follow Abraham's example, and we say, God, it's all yours. I'm trusting in your power, and I'm going to serve and commit faithfully and leave everything else up to you. See, patience is saying, God, it's your time. It's your power. It's your way. Patience for us, number two, is this. It's listening while in a position of humility listening while in a position of humility now sometimes we need to be humbled right some choices we make humble our lives a lot of us need humility at certain times in our life and 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 a lot of times what happens in Scripture is we come humble before the Lord. It's this fight against this pride, and it's saying, I'm going to humble myself before God. Because when it's humbling ourselves before God, that's when God can speak clearest to us. Have you ever been in a valley moment? A moment where you're like, man, I made a mistake. I'm living humbly right now. You're serving a boss. You're working at a job. You're choosing a career. And you're like, what in the world have I done? And you've just made a decision that's maybe impacted a relationship or friendship. And and, and you're in this moment and you're saying, I don't know how it can get any lower in life. You know what happens in the valley moments? Fruit grows. Fruit doesn't always grow on the mountains who goes in the valley. In Genesis seventeen three, look what Abram does. God appears, says, at this time, Abram fell down, face down, on the ground, and then God said to him. A lot of times in Scripture, you see this action of, before God speaks, we have to humble ourselves. We have to say, it's not my life, it's his if you want God to speak to you, are you checking the areas of pride in your life? A lot of times we want God to speak to us, we want God to say things to us, we want to be revealed, we want direction, but there's certain things that we're holding on to that are hung up in our closet that we're like, hey, God, you can have all of this, but I'm keeping this over here and I'm protecting this for myself. When God's saying, I want everything face down, right in front, and then we can move forward. We have to be willing to humble ourselves. James 4.10 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humility is a starting point for us. Abram was humbled. He fell face down. He was born in 1918, four days after the end of World War I, to a farming family. In 1929, his family lost their entire savings of $4,000. That's roughly equivalent to $58,000 today, when the stock market crashed and the Great Depression followed. His family nearly lost the farm and all that they had. As a boy to help his family, he would get up at 2.30 in the morning to help the family with responsibilities before school, which included milking cows, shoveling manure, refilling feed troughs, and lugging milk cans. He was raised in a Christian home, but didn't really receive the Lord until one moment when he was in high school, and he heard this evangelist by the name of Mordecai fowler Jr., he shows up at a tent meeting, and he didn't show up to receive what Mordecai had to teach, but he showed up because he heard there was going to be a demonstration, of protest at this tent meeting because people didn't like what this evangelist was communicating and speaking. So he wanted to see what would happen. Little did he know when he showed up to watch the protest and demonstration, God had different plans in his life. He recalls showing up to this tent meeting and being spellbound, ultimately giving his life to Jesus, attending every tent meeting after that. He'd later be known as America's pastor, the late Billy Graham. Under his ministry, millions, even today, people are touched because this individual, from humble beginnings, Went from shoveling manure to being this man God's called him to be. When we get to this moment in our lives, when we're willing to lay everything in front, face down, God speaks. You're looking for direction. You're looking for clarity. You're looking for something because you're searching for answers. There's hurt. There's pain. I'm going to ask you this. Is everything laid down before God? Are you giving it all over to them? Are you saying, God, you do what only you can do? This is what happens when we look in Genesis 17, 17, verses 4 through 6. God says this, I will make you the Father, multitude of nations. I am changing your name. I will make you extremely fruitful. Who is the one responsible for the change, for being made new, for the fruit, it's God. See, our humility allows God to make God to make things new. Our humility allows God to change things. Our humility allows God to produce the fruit. We see in Jesus, he's getting ready to go through one of the, the hardest times of persecution that anybody's ever experienced. One of the most Radical moments in all of church history, the, the, the time of his persecution and crucifixion. This is what he goes. He, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and, and he's praying. And, and, I, and look at the picture of Jesus, Matthew 26. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Jesus is talking to disciples, even to death. He's so weighted. He's hurting. He's in pain because he knows what's coming. Remain here and watch with me, he tells his disciples. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed. Jesus fell on his face, put himself in a position of humility, and he prayed. Are we willing to go to a position of humility to listen to god speak and god move in our life jesus says this my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will if we can learn that from jesus The position of humility that we have to enter into for God to move and work and do something that we can't do ourselves, that's when God can speak clearest to us. Number three for us this morning is this when it comes to patience, patience is using our waiting time wisely. Don't waste the wait. Don't waste the wait. Are you waiting and getting better? A lot of times when it comes to this idea of waiting, we wait and when God speaks or when that right opportunity comes, we'll just sit here and we kind of get slothful. We'll kind of just say, you know what? Uh, I'm not really going to better myself. I'm not going to work as hard. I'm just going to wait. Because I need an answer over here. See, to us, waiting is wastely, but God is waiting. God is working through that wait. See, to God, waiting is working. You might be in a position right now where you're waiting, you're searching for an answer, you're coming into this prayer and fast season in this moment, and it can be a healthy thing for you because you're saying, hey God, I'm right here, I'm waiting, and I'm saying, don't just wait, don't say, hey, I'm skipping the meal from maybe lunch hour, you're not going to eat from 9 a.m. to to 3 p.m., and don't just say, oh, I'll just keep working through it. But go and take that time and position yourself in a posture of humility. Lay face down. Maybe go sit in your car and say, God, right now I need you to speak. I'm going to be present in this waiting season. I'm going to, I'm going to call on your name in this waiting season. I'm going to be faithful and diligent in this waiting season. Church, we have to say, hey, we're not just going to sit here and and, and go through the motions, but we're going to say, hey, we're going to pray down heaven. We're going to call on God to do more than we can even think and imagine that he can do. We're not going to waste that weight. See, Genesis 17, 7 through 8, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of the descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner. To you and your descendants, it will be their possession forever. And I will be their God Man, Abraham is receiving some of the coolest and the greatest and most exciting news he's ever received in his life. Man, he's fired up. I don't know about you, but if I received that kind of news, that God came and spoke in my life, I'd be like, L- let's throw a party tonight. Like, let's get this thing going. I'm gonna be a ruler, there's gonna be kings, I'm gonna be walking with a little pep in my step. You know, I'm gonna be, woo! Boy, turn on the music. Like, let's go! And I love what Abraham does. This is his kind of partying. This is his kind of excitement. In Genesis 17, he goes, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and every male in his household, including those born there, and those he had bought, and then he circumcised them. Does anybody think that's fascinating in Scripture? Greatest news. What's he do? He goes in and he's obedient. Greatest news ever in his life. A moment when everybody would probably take it, run, he goes and says, okay, I'm going to be faithful to God. He did, uh, Probably in my humanity, I'd be like, hey, let's just push back the circumcision to like tomorrow and let's like enjoy the moment. But he's like, no, go get that flint. I got to do what God's called me to do. question when you're waiting are you wasting the wait are you living obediently are you saying hey i'm going through this season i'm going through this moment and it's challenging and it's hurting and and i don't know if i want to wait anymore and i'm out of patience and i'm done or are you going to be that person that just says i'm going to give up Or are you going to lean in and say, all right, God, right now, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to do? See, the disciples, they're given the greatest commission, the mission ever, and then they have to go and wait. We see this from the encounter of the great commission to the waiting upon the Lord for 50 days to the day of Pentecost. Peter, he had to wait for the outcome of his life. He denies Christ three times. Jesus is sitting in jail. He's out by a campfire. While he's out by a campfire, a little girl comes and tells him, and he's like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he denies. Can you imagine that redemption story? But he had to wait. Paul, one to three days waited three days after his conversion to see again. Rachel and Jacob, Jacob had to work for his love. The Israelites, they waited time and time again for God to show out in their life. Joseph, before he got bumped up to the head in Pharaoh's council and court, he had to wait in jail. See, patience is using our waiting time wisely saying, I'm going to lean into who God is. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to pray in my seasons of doubt. I'm going to trust in his power. When I don't know the plan, when I don't see the plan, I'm going to continue to lean in to his plan. When you're in a waiting season, sir, faithfully, live obediently. I'm inspired by this story. If you know me, I, I like history and I like specific history when it comes to the christian faith i'm just inspired by these moments a man by the name of william carey born in 1761 in a rural village in england would grow up to be a minister with a burning desire for overseas missions you ever wonder how a country a place a state ever learns about the gospel has a church because there's someone that pioneered that event that moment fascinating It takes a unique individual to do that. In 1792, he organized a missions society and headed to India with his family. He'd soon find out that he underestimated the cost in which it caught, which it needed, which he needed to live and to minister. That made his family move around a lot and try to find home and shelter. He couldn't land employment, being a foreigner. His son Peter died. Carrie contracted malaria. And all the stress drove his wife to a a, a, a mental state where she had to be hospitalized and restrained. Illness racked his family. And loneliness and regret crept in. He even writes this, or wrote this, excuse me. says, this indeed, the valley of the shadow of death to me. When I look at stories like this, I'm inspired. Valley of shadow of death to him. After having patience, enduring hardships, After seven years, he finally saw one convert. Carrie would later go on to translate the Bible in different languages and receive 700 people. Converts is estimated. Can you imagine that? Seven years of waiting. Seven years of hardship seven years loneliness did I make the right decision was it worth it he kept plotting he kept going he didn't leave he didn't run he did what God called him to do church I'm reminded in 2 Peter chapter 3 Not in your notes, but I want to read it to you this morning. It says this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent church we have the ability to be patient to see that fruit grow in our life why because god is patient with us some of us might be in here right now and you're thinking to yourself i'm done waiting i need to start a relationship with the lord i need to accept jesus christ into my life as my lord and savior believe god raised him from the grave that he went to the cross for my sins, so I wouldn't have to atone for those sins, for the mistakes that we make. See, God is patient no matter where we're at in our faith journey, no matter what we've done in our past, he's still waiting, still calling, still searching. Don't waste the wait anymore, church, but take that step. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, when we go into this moment of prayer, I wanna encourage you, say, God, send your son Jesus into my life in a way where you'll be transformed and you'll be renewed. And maybe you're in here right now and your patience is dwindling. You say, Pastor Blake, I've been following the Lord for some time, but you don't really know what's happening. I'm empty. Don't waste that weight. God's still working. Power's still gonna happen. Trust in his time. Stay faithful. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.